Hi everyone, Lucy and I are jumping in right now very early to let you know about a new competition that's starting today from our sponsor, Law CPD. Law CPD are back with another brilliant offer for you. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know who Law CPD are, they offer premium online CPD courses for lawyers. Or for anyone really, anyone who's interested in some professional development. The courses are all online, which means they can be completed anytime, anywhere and on any device. The best thing about this competition is that everybody wins. So all you have to do is enter the competition and you will immediately get a voucher for $25 off your first purchase with Law CPD. The next best thing is that we have a weekly winner. Each week between now and the end of March, one person will win a whole one hour online course of their choice. Keep an eye on our social media and we will announce the winners there each week. And then that leads us to the big one. So at the very end of March, Law CPD will draw a major prize winner, which will be one person who will win 10 hours worth of online CPD courses of their choice. All your CPD requirements for the next year. Enter the competition at lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle competition. And we might just even add here while we're talking about Law CPD, both Lucy and I have recently completed a Law CPD course as in we are the experts talking in a course. So if you're interested in employment law or wills and estate planning, then maybe you'd like to search for our courses on the Law CPD website. Just in case you haven't had enough of us. (laughs) Don't forget, you can enter the competition at lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle competition. Now on with the show. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Joel Lilovich and Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. So Lucy, how is maternity leave treating you today? Today, so we're recording this at the start of week two of my maternity leave, and by the time you listen to this, we'll be a couple more weeks in. Um, it's good. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would have all this time to myself, but so far, all my lily free time has been taken up by podcast. So I haven't found myself bored. In fact, I found myself exhausted, and all I want to do is sleep. Ah, so you're feeling like you made the right decision about when you took maternity leave? Yes. That's good. I know. After all my to and fro, what should I do? Told you so. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say that at all. You were just thinking it. I was thinking it. Um, So we're talking about maternity leave today because you're on it. And there's also a few other pregnant women in our Facebook group. And there's been quite a lot of discussion around taking maternity leave and what to do on maternity leave. So we thought we would record this episode to give everyone some advice for preparing for maternity leave using you as a perfect case study. Lucky people get my ups and downs (laughs) and emotional turmoil. But (laughs) I don't think I'm the only one who has felt unsure about when to start leave or what to do or should I be taking leave yet or should I have already started. So we've got a mix of practical advice and support to help you deal with the emotions as well as the practicalities of starting leave. Yeah. What this episode isn't going to cover is talking about managing pregnancy at work. We did record an episode on that previously. I'm also using Lucy perfectly as a case study. So if you are pregnant now and still working and you want to know about how to actually just keep on managing work whilst being pregnant, then go back and listen to episode 30. 
Okay, so conveniently we came up with seven steps because that is Joe's favourite number and I subconsciously came up with seven steps, <laughs> seven how-tos. Exactly, seven things to think about when you're preparing for maternity leave. <laughs> so let's get into it. Number one, prepare early. As soon as you're pregnant, you should be thinking about your maternity leave. Isn't that nice? Yeah, which in some respects is what employers don't want you to do. And there's a whole lot of thought out there that as soon as a woman becomes pregnant, her mind has left work and she's not actually focused on work at all. But that's not completely true. And that's why we've got that managing pregnancy at work episode. But you do need to think about the fact that there is a now an end date of when you're going to stop and you need to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. Things are going to change. What I did, and this is my number one piece of advice, I think, is very early on in my pregnancy, I started thinking about what work-related goals I needed to achieve before my baby came along. So you now have a defined period of time, you know, depending on when you find out about the pregnancy, you might have, let's just say nine months or so. And you know roughly when when the baby might arrive. So you know how much time you have. And then it's a case of working out what you want to achieve within that time before you go and leave. And how do you prioritize those things? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really helpful when you think about it from that outcomes focus, you know, rather than just, I've got this many weeks left and I just have to work through all of that time to think about big goals and big pieces of work that you want to achieve. It's really helpful. Mm. And actually it's a good point because that is one of the things that helped me to decide that I was ready to take leave, which, which we'll come to shortly. But one of the reasons why it was kind of okay in my mind was because I'd done all of the things that I decided six months ago or how many months ago were important for me to achieve. I'd done them. So there was no point in me hanging around because just for the sake of it, when I felt like work wasn't where I wanted to be. So knowing what the goals are, you can then work out how to make them happen. You can prioritize them and you can also work to your energy levels. Mm -hmm. So if you're anything like me or in fact I think it's pretty common for a lot of women when they're pregnant you have especially during the first trimester you might be really low on energy and then you'll pick back up sometime during the second trimester and then possibly drop down again but knowing that I knew that it was okay for me to go slow during those first 15 16 weeks because I was going to get more energy back and I could make up for lost time I'm losing my short of breath can you hear me I'm like I totally can <laughs> But knowing that really helped me to know that it was okay to take things slowly in the beginning. When I wasn't feeling it, I was really lacking in motivation. I was feeling sick, but I knew that the things that needed to get done would get done. And as long as those things happened, it didn't matter when on the timeline. And that brings us to point two, which is creating a transition plan. So once you know what it is that you need to get done, you then need to think about how are you going to achieve that in the amount of time that you've got? Mm -hmm. And also how are you going to transition out at the very end? Tell us about your experience with this, because I think yours was quite different to mine. You had someone else taking over your role at least? No, not so much. I mean, obviously there was um, the requirement that any current work that needed to be handed over. So there was at the very end, you know, kind of about two weeks before I was due to finish, it would be start writing a whole lot of file handover notes to explain where the matter is and everything that someone needs to know and make sure that the client is content with the fact that they're going to be moved on to another solicitor to help them out. But otherwise, it wasn't so much that a person was taking over a full role. It was just everyone else is kind of roughly of the same capabilities. It's just really making sure that your client relationships are managed properly more than anything else. Yeah, fair enough. Well, some of the things that I did was to delegate 
responsibility for certain things that I did that to be honest, I probably shouldn't have been doing anyway. They probably should have been (laughs) done by somebody else. So in that way, taking leave is a good opportunity to look at your workload and think, you know, am I really the best person for this job? And the other advantage to that is that you're upskilling other staff members because by training them to do things that you otherwise just do because it's quick and easy, they're getting more skills, they're getting more responsibility, they're potentially getting more enjoyable work. So there's a bonus there for them too. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for everybody else when you take leave. Okay, number three, work out your leave entitlements and make sure you actually apply for them. (laughs) Yes, good idea. Yeah, did you do that? I did. I put in my application for the government-funded leave a week or so before I finished work, which was actually really easy because I had applied for it previously with Lily. And so all my information was saved. It's all an online system now. and I didn't have to go into Centrelink. I didn't have to go in or anything like that. So it was actually quite easy. But if it's your first application, yeah, you need to set aside some time because it does take quite a while. They want to know lots and lots of information. Mm. So yes, that's definitely something to think about. And did you formally apply for maternity leave as well? No. (laughs) But you did and you know all the rules around that. So tell us what we have to do. (laughs) Well, you need to give your employer notice in accordance with the legislation. So 10 weeks notice. And does that mean written notice? Typical lawyer question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You need to tell them when the baby's due and you need to make sure that you're requesting notice 10 weeks before baby's due. I think it's 10 weeks. It's 10 weeks, isn't it? Yeah, 10 weeks is what you've told us. (laughs) You've told us in the past. Well, I did that because I told my boss when I was about five minutes pregnant that I was pregnant, but I didn't do it in writing. So yeah. And look, you know, some employers aren't going to be too fussed on it. And, you know, some employers are sticklers for wanting everything to be done appropriately, depending on the size of the organization that you're in, probably the more stickler they're going to be about it, the bigger the organization. So you need to make sure that you've told them when the baby's expected and also from what date you anticipate taking leave because also they can request you to provide medical certificates and things towards the latter end of your pregnancy if you go over the time, 34 weeks. And the other thing to consider as well, I've just mentioned government-funded maternity leave or parental leave, but the other thing to consider is employer-paid yes. parental leave and whether your employer has a standard process or procedure for applying for that or whether perhaps they don't provide it and it might be something that you want to negotiate. Yeah, exactly. Just because someone doesn't already have it in place doesn't mean that you can't ask for it. One thing that often happens with employer paid leave is that employers will often say you can have half now and half later, or they might give it all to you now, but they'll say that if you don't come back from maternity leave, you need to pay it back. So there's a lot of women who kind of have had negative experiences where they've taken the leave and then for whatever reason chosen not to return, not necessarily just because they don't want to, there might have been some other reason. And then they've been caught in a situation where they've had to pay maternity leave back. So I know some people who are choosing not to take the maternity leave pay from their employer until they return, just so that they don't have to ever having to pay anything back. So that's just something to keep in mind. Just make sure you really do read what the policy is for the employer that you're working for because you don't want to kind of be caught out later down the track. Mm. And if you want some more thoughts or advice around negotiating parental leave from your employer and the advice coming from an employer's perspective, have a listen to our interview with Katrina McLeod of Cullen McLeod. 
I'm going to say it's number 26 or 27. Yeah, possibly. I was going to say 27 or 28. So it's around, so, there. around there. We'll link it in the show notes. But we talked to Katrina about parental leave and she is a strong advocate for businesses providing parental leave and provides her perspective as an employer. So that's really valuable if, mm-hmm. if that's the circumstances you're in to have a listen to that. Yeah. Okay, number four, work out when to finish work. Yes, just like you had the little experience. There's no right or wrong time, basically. I think that's the first thing that everyone should know. It's the legislation sort of talks about women taking leave from 34 weeks, but a lot of women work till literally the day before they have the baby. So it really is just what works for you. Mm. And what did you do each time? First time around, I think was very similar to you and to probably a lot of other professional career women that I've spoken to. We worked pretty much right up to the end. Mm -hmm. In my case, it wasn't intentional. I had intended to take leave from 37 weeks, which I did. I still found that I had a project that hadn't been completed. So I was going to do that in the 38th week. And then I I don't even think I actually got started on that. That I spent that 38th week doing all the things I should have done probably three months before, buying car seats and prams and <laughs> things like that. And then I had the baby the following weekend. So I only had a week's leave and I didn't feel like I had any leave at all. Well, you were busy. It wouldn't have. No, no, it was, it was too much stuff I'd left. I think I was still in a bit of denial that I was having a baby, hence not buying <laughs> the baby products. I think that's also quite common as well. Exactly. And, you know, I, like you have said before, I knew what I was doing at work. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't in a rush to go off and just lay around and think about nothing but the fact that very soon I was going to have a baby and be responsible for it when I had Mm. no idea what to do. So keeping myself at work and keeping my mind busy was a strategy to avoid dealing with that. Yes. And what did you do differently second and third time? So second time, well, I can't remember exactly what I did for both of them, but roughly I took about a month before the due date and they both came around the due date. So I had three to four weeks with both of the second and the third. And it was easier to do that because I already had a child and I knew that that meant that I was going to have that time to be with my first child and also to have a bit of a relax because by the time you've nine months pregnant, eight or nine months pregnant with your second child, you're feeling it as I'm sure you can appreciate. And you need that time to rest And you're not as worried about what's coming because you already know. And yeah, it just gives you that rest time and that time with family. That's exactly how I feel. And also any doubt that you may have, whether subconscious or otherwise, about how having a baby, this is talking baby number one, is going to affect your career. In my case, at least, and I think possibly in yours, although tell me if I'm wrong, it kind of maybe doesn't disappear, but it's less of an issue because you are already a mother you've already kind of dealt with that transition and you we're already working mothers. So it's not like we have that to learn again. It's another person. Don't get me wrong. That's a big thing, but it's not that huge transition again of into motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've had that experience of what it's like to be a mum. You've had the experience of no sleep and, you know, birth and everything that comes with being a mum and returning to work after having a baby. In most cases, if you haven't had them in too quick succession. So you don't need to worry about those things. You can just focus on, you know, 
on enjoying that last bit of time before another baby enters your life and brings added responsibility and lack of sleep and chaos. And I'll stop now because you don't need to. And the positive things as well, yeah, <laughs> like the love and the warmth and the joy. Yes, don't forget those. <laughs> exactly. So in my case with Lily, I worked right up until the day before I was told I had to be induced, although I did work from home towards the end. And I was completely happy doing that. That was entirely by choice I wanted to. Whereas this time it's been quite a while since quite early on, since I pretty much since I was pregnant, I really lost motivation for a while there. It did pick up, but now it's been quite a while that I haven't wanted to work. And it's not the actual work that I I haven't enjoyed. It's the commitment and the obligation yes, and the having to wake up and get ready, be somewhere and do something for someone else than not being able to just do what I feel like on the day. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know <laughs> sounds completely ironic because isn't that what having a newborn baby is all about? Doing everything on <laughs> someone else's time. Well that's why you want to enjoy it right now. Well maybe. Yeah. 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 And I was for a while I was unsure because I thought, well last time I'm supposed to be this woman who loves my career and I love my job and I love where I work. Why do I not want to be there? And it took me a while to kind of work through that in my mind and for me to decide that actually it's okay for you not to want to be there. And just because you feel like like that now doesn't mean that you always will. And even if you always do, that's okay too. There is so much evidence about the need to take breaks and have holidays, whether it's before having a baby or just any time that it's completely normal and needed to have this break now. I agree. I'm so tired (laughs) and (laughs) I'm sure our pregnant listeners can relate or anyone who has been pregnant, especially when you haven't already have another child but I'm just tired and I want my birth experience to be different this time around. And that's something that's really important to me and something that I've been spending a lot of mental time focused on. So in order for me to fully relax and transition myself into that, I don't want to be thinking about work. So I decided to work through Christmas and then a little bit after Christmas, just to kind of allow everybody else to come back from their leave and get back on board and then I finished last week and I'm loving it. So good. (laughs) And when you do decide on the right time for you to take maternity leave, then there's just a few things that you need to do, don't you? You do? Yeah, things like working out how you're going to make sure that you've got those last projects finished so Mm -hmm. you're not like me taking one with you when you go off on maternity leave and then not Mm -hmm. actually doing it anyway, so Mm -hmm. feeling like you've left something undone. Looking at your calendar so people don't keep booking appointments in for you. Exactly, so you've got time (laughs) to finish stuff Um, and just making sure that everybody else knows because it's Mm -hmm. all well and good for you to make the decision but you've really got to let them know so that they don't book out your calendar. And another piece of advice that I have heard a lot is if you have older children to keep them in daycare or whatever care arrangements you had for them while you were at work. And that's been working for you, hasn't it? It has. So my mum has Lily for me on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, she will still have Lily for me on a Monday. So far, all the Lily free time I have had, I think I might have said at the beginning, we've been podcasting. So I haven't had time (laughs) yet to just not do anything, but that's okay because I don't think I really like that anyway. But it's nice to have some time just with me and be able to do what I want to do on my own time. Yeah, it's good. All right. Tip number five, make some plans for keeping in touch. It's okay if your plan to keep in touch is not to keep in touch as well. (laughs) Yes. We've spoken about this one in the Facebook group before as well. And some people love keeping in touch and some people don't love keeping in touch. And that's 
fine. I think what's important is to make your plans known. And if you don't know yet, I think that's okay too. I mean, if this is your first child, you don't know whether you're going to want to be focused just on the child or whether you're going to want to have some connection back to work, in which case tell them when you know or tell them that, no, I don't want you to contact me, but if I change my mind, then I'll let you know. I think it's really good to tell them something and I would just go with whatever you feel at the time. So if you feel that you would like to keep in touch and know certain things. And we, we talked about that, didn't we? You know, what what kind of things do you want to know about? Do you want to know how a particular matter is going that you're working on project? Or do you want to know about a particular client that you've been working with? Or do you just want to know about the social office gossip? You know, what is it about work that you want to keep informed about? And then make sure that they know what that is and you know what that is because then you can communicate it. And once you do have the baby, like you said, if you change your mind, you can just say, actually, I don't want to be called when someone at work's pregnant or when someone at work resigns. I'll just check in with you when I want to check in. Yeah. And the other thing to add to your list is who can contact you because it might be okay for your colleagues to contact you, but not your clients. I mean, I'm more than happy for my colleagues to contact me, but I don't really want to be speaking to my clients necessarily. Yeah, I agree. Unless there's special arrangements that have been made. Yeah. So if we want to keep in touch, how do we do it? I like the idea of having a few different ideas. So, you know, it could be that you go in regularly once a month, you know, without your baby, just to sort of join the team meeting. Perhaps there's a monthly team meeting that happens or there's a weekly meeting and you can just join in once a month to just kind of sit back and hear what's been going on and what's happening. So you can keep abreast of changes. Or with the baby, right? Or possibly with the baby, but it may be that you can focus better if you don't have your baby present. And also everyone else can focus better if you don't have your baby present because they might be doing the whole, oh, it's so cute and wanting holds and all those kinds of things. So it's total choice between you and obviously your employer about whether or not you would bring the baby in. Yeah. I say bring the baby, (laughs) (laughs) especially if you're just going in for a visit. I think it's nice having to be apart from a brand new baby. You know, that's just something else in my view that you would add on to the already big enough deal that it is of going into work after. I mean, it depends. Like you say, if it's a casual thing, are you going into work? What's the deal? That's exactly right. So where I used to work when I was returning from maternity leave, I would always do those random bring the baby to work days. And I would just go in for a catch up, walk around the office a bit, say hi to people I hadn't seen. You know, they would all have a look and talk to me a little bit about the baby or what's been going on at work. And then I'd usually end up having lunch with someone from work. So I would do those kinds of things, but they were very casual, random, unplanned things. Whereas if I was going in to participate in a work kind of situation where I was sitting in on a team meeting, then I would think depending on, you know, how I was going with the baby, whether or not I would feel comfortable to bring the baby in with me. Yeah. Because if unfortunate enough to have a baby who's got reflux like mine did, and it cries a lot and those kinds of things, then it's not conducive to anybody having a a proper meeting. Mm. having that disruption. But of course, there are lots of other ways to keep in touch that don't involve going in. So email, phone, text message, Zoom, Skype, Facebook, however people communicate these days. For me personally, I like the idea of there being some sort of plan around it in terms of regularity. So, you know, that that once a month check-in or that, whether it's a phone or a visit, just so that people forget you 
and I think that that's a, a common concern for women when they go on maternity leave. And also if it's scheduled in advance, it's going to happen and you're not relying on anyone or yourself to make it happen because it's in the diary. Yeah. And that's the other point, isn't it? That if keeping in touch is really important to you, you need to make the effort. Yes. You shouldn't just rely on everybody else making the effort with you. You also need to make the effort back. Yeah. That can be hard when you're disconnected from work because you don't know what's going on there and they don't know what's going on at home. Last week, for example, I was going to call my boss on Friday. I'd spoken to him by text message a little bit during the week and I know that they'd had a really busy week and that he was quite under a lot of pressure. So I decided I'm not going to call him because he probably doesn't really have time just to have a chat to me because I feel like I want someone to have a chat yeah, to yeah. <laughs> So I didn't call. But it wouldn't have been the end of the world if I did. If he was busy, he could have just said, I'm really sorry, I can't chat right now, but I'll call you when I can. And that's fine too. So make the effort and you don't know what's happening on the other side of the phone, but these are your colleagues. They're not strangers. So it's okay to find some other convenient time if the time when you choose to call doesn't work. Yeah. And by calling him, you're letting him know that you're wanting to keep in touch and that you're keen to hear what's going on. So if it's not the right time, that's fine. But if you just don't ever call, then they might assume that you're happy that way and they don't want to disturb you. I remember that a lot, you know, even when I'm working part-time, you've got, you know, if you're only in the office on whatever, three days of the week, then your colleagues might not want to call you on the other days because they don't want to disturb you. It's the same when you're on maternity leave. Absolutely. And I get that. So my new baby's not even here yet. I've only been off for a week and I've had a few calls. Before I left, I said to everybody, call me, please call me. Don't forget me. I love it when you call me and ask me questions. Just call me for the sake of calling me. Even still, when they've called me, which has only been very occasionally, I'm really sorry to bother you. Yes. I, I hope it's okay. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Keep talking to me, please. Tell me all yeah. the, everything that's been going on. Tell me more, tell me more. And I'm like, I don't want to get off the phone. And they're like, I really need to go and do some work. Like <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, number six. This is my thing, isn't it? Because this yes. is what I haven't stopped talking about for the last six months. <laughs> Consider a maternity leave project. What I mean by this is, well, when I had Lily, I, I only had about two weeks off work before I went back to work. This time... I know I wanted to take time off, but it was important to me or is important to me to have something to do with myself. It's just important to me to have something to do with myself other than baby. And when I went back to work after Lily's birth, I went straight back into my role and I was working for clients and I had client deadlines and commitments and I had people emailing me all the time and I kind of just dove straight in and it was dealing with other people's expectations and that kind of thing. And it was too late very quickly for me to decide, actually, this isn't what I want to do. Mm. So this time I've spent quite a lot of time thinking about a project that I can do that's professional development related, but that I can do on my own terms and in my own time if I want to do it. And if I don't want to do it, then I don't have to. Yes. Are you going to tell us what they are? So, so I think you were going so to some, some projects that you might like to do when you're on maternity leave could be <laughs> undertaking a course perhaps. So like a professional development course, you might be upskilling in a particular area. It might even just be sort of making a commitment to yourself that you're going to read one new book every month or perhaps there's some sort of craft activity that you absolutely love. I've you know tried my hand at a few of those, mosaics and scrapbooking and stuff and mm. sewing and it's really nice. Like the first maternity leave, I got really into sewing and quilts and things like that. 
Or it could just be making sure that you've actually really dedicated the time to exercise because you don't have all that time set aside for going to work or anything else that you've just always wanted to do. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be work or professional development related. It can be a hobby, reading, watching Netflix, whatever it might be. <laughs> but tell us about yours now that you've got your breath back. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> so everybody knows that I, well, I told everybody in our goal setting episode that I was going to write my half of our book in the five minutes, well, five weeks between when I finished work <laughs> and when I had a baby. I'm almost two weeks in and have not even thought about that yet. So that's not true. We have thought about it. Yes, but I haven't done any writing. We've done lots of planning, but no writing. Yes. So that's one of them, which is great because we do have deadlines that we have around that but it's still something that I can do when I want to do it as opposed to between certain hours and I also have a work-related project that I may pick up on again if I want to and I've told work about this this is my grand plan for my leave if I want to work then this is what I'm going to do yep which again is it's sort of research development so it's something that I can do in my own time and do if I want to and if I don't want to well then it will happen when I return to work yeah awesome it's good. Very vague, but you know. You know what it is and everybody else doesn't need to know all the nitty gritties. You know what it is. You've got your ideas and you know that you're okay with doing it or not doing it. And I think that's the key to know that that's okay. If it doesn't get done, it's not a do or die. Yeah. But the important thing for me is to have something to fall back on. So I don't sit around getting upset or sad that I don't have anything to do that's a thing for me I like to be doing something so I need to have something that I can do if I want to be doing something yes um which I think it probably would be quite common amongst listeners as well yes and two that I know what that thing is that's what I just said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, you know what I mean <laughs> I know what you mean everyone will forgive you you are just about to have a baby this baby brain has well and truly settled in so the last thing, last thing, tip number seven, I just love sevens and Lucy did this all on her own writing these numbers after our discussions about what you need to do, it worked out really well. <laughs> um, the last thing is that you need to think about your return to work. So how long do you want to have off? Are you going to give a return to work date? Yes, you have to actually legally give a return to work date, but that can change as time goes on. And it will depend as well on what your flexibility is with your employer, which clearly, Lucy, you have plenty of because it sounds like you didn't give a return to work date. No, I didn't give a return to work date. Oh, that's interesting. So if you have to give a return to work date, are we thinking is, is that, so you're allowed to take 12 months unpaid? Yes. Could you just say 12 months, whatever yes. the date is, it's 12 months and that yes. could be your return to work date? Yes. So it's really common for most people to just say that and then some people extend it and make it earlier and some people do the 12 months and then some people will then, you know, write a letter to their employer saying, I'd like to return earlier and then you can only change your date once. If you want to change it more than that, then you need to get the agreement of your employer. Yeah. So, but as long as they're on board and flexible, then you can move it around. Yeah. I think don't take the mickey, you know, like try to stick to a plan as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into them preparing work for you to come back to as well, isn't there? And also if someone has been employed to take over your position whilst you're on maternity leave, it's a bit rough to have someone employed for 12 months and then after six months for you to say, I'm going to come back. What, immediately? Yeah. So you mean give give a little bit of notice? Yeah. Well, you have to give notice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find this quite difficult because I just think it's difficult to know how you're going to feel until your baby is here. 
Mm. I haven't said how long I will have off. I've said probably a few months, but I, I mean, what does a few months mean? It could mean two months, it could mean six months. I don't know. I am fortunate that my employer is very flexible and they're happy to work with me and we can work it out. And when I do return, I will probably have a gradual transition back as well. Yeah. I do think this is hard. So if you don't know, I think you're not the only one who doesn't know. I think it's quite common. I mean, how do you know what your life's going to look like when you have another human? (laughs) You don't. And I think, you know, that's why so many people return to work quite quickly after the first one. And then it seems to be most common for people to take a little bit of extra time for any future children because you've just got more going on really. Yeah. So I guess the point is think about it, but don't be too hard on yourself if you don't know and don't be too hard on yourself if you change your mind. The important thing is to have a conversation with your employer, right? And that's the key thing through everything that we say really, isn't it? Have a bit of a plan, but be okay with the fact that the plan may change. Yes. I think that is the perfect summary for this episode. (laughs) Right. If you are pregnant or already on maternity leave, good luck. That's for you too, Lucy. Best wishes for your maternity leave and for having this baby. Thank you. And if you want to read some more about all the things we just spoke about, I have written a blog post about the same topics. You can find it on our website, thejuggle.com.au. Otherwise, join us in the Facebook group so you'll be the first to know about Lucy's baby and you can also share any of your thoughts or questions around preparing for maternity leave. You can find that at thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling. Bye.